from the master who calls you by name and opens the narrow door for you. From him be all grace and mercy and peace. Amen. Our text for this morning is our gospel lesson, especially where someone says to Jesus from the crowd, Lord, will those who are saved be few? And he said to them, strive to enter through the narrow door. This is our text. You have wondered, haven't you? You have probably wanted to ask the same question of Jesus that the person asks him from the crowd on our gospel lesson for today. Lord, will those who are saved be few? You might ask it when you wonder about your neighbors who are barely connected to any kind of church at all. Or you might ask it late at night as you are praying with tears for your son or your daughter who has fallen away from the faith. Or you may ask it as you notice members of this congregation who have drifted off the face of the earth. Almost every study still tells us that a majority of Americans still identify themselves as Christians, but when you consider how many have a meaningful connection with any Christian congregation at all, an accurate answer to this question might just be, yes, only a few will be saved. But did you notice that Jesus, as is often the case, doesn't answer this question? He doesn't give a number. He doesn't say, yes, you're right, there will only be a few who are saved. And on the other hand, he doesn't say, no, you're wrong, many, many will be saved. Jesus just doesn't answer the question. But instead, what Jesus does throughout the course of this teaching, of this lesson, is he focuses our attention on the master. The master of the house rises and shuts the door. The master of the house says to some, I don't know you. The master of the house says to those who stand outside and knock, I don't know where you come from. Depart from me. Get away. And finally, the master of the house welcomes people from the east and the west, from the north and the south. And they recline at his table, enjoying the meal that he has prepared for them. The master of the house is the focus of Jesus' answer to this all-too-common question. We've all heard it said that if you want to get ahead in life, it's who you know. People think that even when it comes to religion, it's who you know. If we're close to someone who's a firm and faithful believer, well, surely it's going to rub off on us, and, and we'll make our way to heaven somehow. But, but as it has been said, God has no grandchildren, only sons and daughters. Sometimes we even think that our relationships are going to be the thing that will save us. It's who you know. Chad Bird was a Lutheran pastor and seminary prof who had a moral failure, and it blew up his entire career. It ruined two marriages along the way. And in a recent article for Mockingbird magazine, he laments the fact that his poor children had to live in nine different homes as they were growing up. And as he reflects on that, this is what he writes. In other words, like most parents, I worry about the extent 
to which my shortcomings have shortchanged their upbringing. I lug around an oversized suitcase stuffed with blame for the countless ways I haven't measured up. It doesn't matter that my children, despite their tumultuous young years, have turned out academically successful, emotionally stable, and remain in loving relationships with their mom and me, as well as their step-parents. There is still that heart-piercing but. But I broke apart the family. But I created a storm they had to endure. But I didn't provide for them a divorce-free, fidelity-keeping, every night around the dinner table, Mayberry kind of home that I myself grew up in. If only I'd been a more heroic parent, some semblance of an uber dad, or at least an above-average father, then they would not have been wounded by the shrapnel that resulted from the explosion my own ego ignited. And then he turns to us. Unless you are a rather unusual parent, you've erected a pulpit in your own heart from which you preach similar finger-wagging sermons to yourself. Your children may be all grown up and may lead relatively stable, successful lives, but you still remember that move or that relationship, or that huge, stupid mistake that marred their childhood. If you're raising children now, you worry about making a mess of things, not doing good enough for them, not providing enough, not raising them just right, not getting them into the just right schools, failing them in a million ways. You look around at the house that's building your son, your daughter, and hope to God that the tales absorbed into these walls are outstanding ones that your children grow up and tell their friends or future spouses what an awesome parent you've been. Of all the commandments, you want honor your father and mother to come naturally and easily to your children. We all like to think that our relationships define us. We like to think that if we are really good parents or a really good spouse or a fantastic neighbor, we will somehow get ahead in life and be held in high esteem by the people that see how perfect we are, when in fact, really, in the end, we are all abject failures when it comes to our relationships because we always put ourselves first. When it comes to our salvation... It's not who you know. It's not even about how well or not so well we do in our relationships. Jesus wants to remind you this morning that in the Christian faith, it's not about who you know. With regard to salvation, it's all about who knows you. The good news in today's gospel lesson is that the master knows you. Yes, he knows all about your relational failures. He knows all about every sin and selfishness, but he wants to reassure you, reassure you that any and all of your failures won't keep you from being loved or forgiven by him. 
The master created you. He sees you despite your unrighteousness and all of your failures apart from him. He still loves you. He forgives you. He makes you righteous by his blood. He opens the door to you. He welcomes you to his table both here in time at the sacrament today and on the last day. He will welcome you to the table where you will recline and eat and feast with those who come from the north, south, east, and west. The closest that Jesus comes to answering this question, Lord, will those who are saved be few, is toward the end of the passage. He doesn't say how many will be saved, but he does say that those who are saved will come from every direction, from east and west and north and south, and it reminds us that no single people group has a monopoly on access to the Master. Through and even sometimes despite us, God is reaching out to all nations. And the good news for us sitting here today is that all nations even and especially includes sinners like you and me. The master welcomes us to sit at his feast. To be known and to be loved by him is a wonderful thing. In fact, it is the greatest thing in life to be known, to be loved by our master. Someone once remade the words of that little Sunday school song, Jesus loves me, this I know, and it applies here today. Jesus knows me, this I love. The good news is that Jesus is the master. That's why it is good news. Because both before and after this very passage that we're reading today, Jesus does an extraordinary thing. He heals somebody, two different people, on the Sabbath. In the passage before this text and in the passage right after, Jesus heals somebody on the Sabbath day. And you know the Pharisees are looking on and saying, you're not supposed to do that on the Sabbath, but Jesus is acting like he is Lord of the Sabbath, like he can do whatever he wants to and for people on the Sabbath because he owns it. And he does. And that's what he does today. He loves you on the Sabbath. Your Sabbath today. He comes to you and offers you the feast of forgiveness and delivers it into your mouth to eat and drink. He loves you today by declaring to you once again like he always does, I know you better than you know yourself and yet, and yet, I forgive you all your sins. Every single one of them at you, as you recline at my table where my meal of love forgives. So what about those who are not present here today? The neighbors, the children, the delinquent members who are far off? Well, I think the promise at the end of this passage gives us a great deal of hope. It says that people will come from east and west, from north and south, and recline at table in the kingdom of God, and behold, some who are, are last who will be first, and some are first who will be last. There is still hope for those who are far off, for those whom you and I love and for now may be far away. But these words of Jesus 
give us loving motivation to continue praying, to continue reaching out, to continue to extend the hand of the Master's love toward them, and to tell them, just like Jesus says to us, Jesus knows you. We can assure them of that. And then, together, we will graciously welcome them in the Master's name. We may not know how many will be saved, but we do know that the Master of the household of faith knows us. And he knows us well enough to say, I have called you by name. You are mine. Welcome to the table. In Jesus' name, amen.